Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's almost like we were born to do this, like it was meant to be. Something about sitting around the house naked at our desks while we talk invisibly about the NFL just feels right. First, new divisions await to be previewed. Second, why the AFC North is the toughest division in the NFL. And third, how entertainment dominates the industry above all else. Welcome to the 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. All right, folks, this is the 4th and 5 NFL podcast. I'm your resident redneck host, Dylan Baker, with the kind, majestic, slightly devilish journalist and analyst, Jonathan Harding. Each week, we take a look at all the happenings in the NFL and bring to you the highlights from around the league. On and off the pitch, we will keep you informed and entertained. So turn off your live TV with videos and people who are paid to do this sort of thing, and let's get started. John, early morning for you. How's it going? Well, it's going better after those uh, adjectives, I have to say. I feel fantastic. Thank you very much for that <laughs> intro, sir. Oh, boy. So we got a packed show today. we got some big divisions that we're going to take a look at. And we're going to start off, since John got to do his favorite team last week, we're <laughs> going to start off with ours. We're going to take a look at the AFC North first and foremost. Um, but we won't necessarily start with my favorite team just yet. So let's take a look first at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, currently one and two in the preseason, uh, a win 30 to 27 over New Orleans at home, a bang up defeat against Philadelphia away 40 to 17, and then another bang up defeat against the Washington Redskins at home. So, John, I was, I've never been a real big believer in Flacco, and yet, as a Steelers fan, he's been the bane of my existence on several occasions. There's nothing spectacular about him. There's nothing spectacular about his stats, but he gets the job done in Baltimore. How do you rate Flacco for this for this Ravens team? Well, it's huge for this Ravens team. I mean, you, you say he's been a bane for your existence. How do you think I feel? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, but um, that Super Bowl, he basically won them it by having the composure over over the six to eight yards. Those throws are basically the difference makers. And we didn't have a quarterback who did that. Yes, we have a quarterback who makes headlines by sprinting for 50-yard runs and occasionally throwing bombs. But 
would you rather have that? Or would you rather have someone who consistently makes eight to ten yard throws and effectively wins you the game? That's what Joe Flacco does, and that's how he earned himself a massive deal all those years ago. He he does get the job done in Baltimore. I'm interested to see how to see how he does without Tory Smith because hey, he's a niner now. Um, how are they going to do with um, Steve Smith Senior in his final year, um, and whether they've really got enough options out wide to to impress? Because they always had some sort of a go to, um, and if you track back, you know it's funny how many have ended up at the Niners if you include Anquan Bolden, but. He's always had one or two really strong go-tos, and I'm not sure whether that's the case this year, perhaps other than Owen Daniels at tight end. Well, and I, I think you give uh, Mr. Stephen Smith Sr. a good shout there. One of the things that he's been so prolific at for years and years that he's been in the NFL uh, is, is his possession game. He does an excellent job uh, with his route running and making sure that he gets possession of the ball, um, puts up spectacular numbers every year. The Torrey Smith drop is pretty shambolic, but at the same time, they're replacing him with deep ball threat, threat Bashad Perryman uh, coming out of UCF this year. Do you think he's going to make an impact at all? It's always hard to say coming into those kind of shoes. I think it's better to uh, to wait and see how we go. I mean, he he has. You, how many times have you and I both sat there and said, "This kid looks good." You know, he's <laughs> he's going to be something. It's true. But you know, you got to see him. Um, he's been okay in preseason. I haven't necessarily seen or read anything to suggest that he's going to be, you know, breaking breaking records and doing something as crazy as Odell Beckham, but. You know, if anybody can make him make him better than he is right now in this division, then it's it's Flacco. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you there as much as it hurts. The main thing that Perryman's got under his name is speed, which of course was Torrey Smith's uh, you know, primary factor into his game. So it looks like a like for like replacement if Perryman can come in, in the NFL uh, and and really do really do a good job in his in his rookie year. Now, I don't want to spend a whole heck of a lot of time on the Ray Rice deal. Um, you know, it, as overblown as it's been, everybody knows about it. There's not much opinion left to be registered. Um, but taking a look at the current lineup of the Baltimore running backs, you've got Justin Forsett and Bernard Pierce. Um, you know, Forsett put up 1,400 yards last season. I mean, is is this sort of pairing in the backfield, is it going to be enough to maintain a solid running game yet again? I think so. Um, I, I've always thought Forsett's been pretty underrated. Um, yes, Ray Rice was the real deal as an athlete, but you don't get to be an athlete if you can't be a human. Um, so... That's the most. Oh, 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 oh. oh Jesus! Is that? It? Would you not agree? Oh, I absolutely agree. I was just the comment was spot on, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think Justin Forsett can do a job, um, and maybe there'll be more more pressure on him this year. Maybe he and Pierce can can balance and share the load a bit better. I think that. The Harbour's got a plan and they've had a plan in the offseason to deal with how Flacco will have will have to cope with a slightly less impressive receiving core. And perhaps a facet of that is having Pearson Forsett do more reps and maybe they'll become slightly more of a running team. Well, and, and taking a look at the defensive side of the ball as well, it's strange looking at this Ravens defense. I still find it odd not, not seeing Ed Reed and Ray Lewis in the team sheet. But uh, I'm delighted. <laughs> I'm delighted. As an AFC North fan, as an AFC as an AFC North prime time watcher, I'm very glad to see them no longer in the lineup. It's just 
It's just strange. And and looking at the, the, the remaining players, it's it's also strange to find that there aren't too many marquee players. You know, you have your Terrell Suggs, your Elvis Doomervilles, these kinds of guys. Um but they don't look like it stacks up to a great defense, and yet they put up 49 sacks last year. Is this yet again one of the premier defensive units in the in the NFL? The thing about the Ravens is they built a reputation on that. So any player coming into that system is always going to have that added confidence. And I often think that the NFL in these situations is is quite a lot. It wouldn't go so far as to say 40% about a mental game. And if you're confident enough in what you do, you're going to go in and and impress you're right to say that there aren't necessarily the names on paper that are jumping out and being like oh those guys are amazing you know we need to watch out for them but if you have Suggs and Doomerville leading you then it's almost like you know you're looking back at players who led in the past and as you say you know Ray Lewis Ed Reed players around them also shone at certain stages of season of the season when they were successful so yes there's nobody standing out but you know as you said if they're going to put up 49 sacks and there's no real big names other than the two you mentioned, then who are we to sit here and say, well, they haven't got anybody. I think that they can still be dominant. I wouldn't necessarily go so far as saying that they are one of the premier defenses. I think there are better Ds out there. Well, as much as I would love to continue talking about my, uh, you know, the most heated rivals, um, let's move on to the Steelers instead. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, the Steelers again, once once again another uh, unspectacular preseason so far. You're only sitting at one and two so far. A loss to Jacksonville, which pains me to my very core. Twenty three, twenty one. A big one against Green Bay. Uh, twenty four to nineteen over the Packers. Uh, and then today, oh my goodness, a forty three to nineteen loss to Buffalo. I almost can't fathom that actually being a thing. But we'll move on from that and talk about the team itself. Ben Roethlisberger coming off his best season statistically with nearly 5,000 passing yards. You've got consistency in the receiving core, especially from Antonio Brown. you got a deep ball, touchdown end zone threat with Martavis Bryant, who admittedly is missing the fourth, first four games. Marcus Wheaton, not a bad little slot receiver. you got Le'Veon Bell, excellent running back. Oh, wait, he's missing the first two games. What's going on with this <laughs> offense? Is this, is this a good offense? I feel I feel very strongly about it but at the same time I go into the season looking at their preseason record and a bit unsure yeah but you know the preseason means something and nothing right so I wouldn't necessarily get too hung up on that I've always had a soft spot for the Steelers um I think (laughs) I've always I've always felt like they're always on the verge of things but they've not quite got there I mean there's no reason to believe that even with Bell out for the first two games that this team can't be great. Um, I think that you should be excited. Steelers fans should be excited. And as I said to you earlier, you've got to bear in mind that if the Pats don't have Brady for the first four games, I can see you beating them. I know that he is one player, and I know that Garoppolo's look quite good in preseason, but that I genuinely think that there is reason to believe that you guys can can start well. And you know that starting well is half the battle. Be excited about this offense. Uh, there's no reason for you not to be. Uh, you mentioned Antonio Brown. You can't not. He's a serious playmaker. But even if none of these other names, okay, Martavis Bryant maybe as well, but even if these no, none of these other names necessarily jump out at you, I think that there's uh, there's reason to be excited. They're a unit. I think Tomlin has got 
the team coming together. Dude, this is your team. You you should be backing them. Don't don't hesitate. Oh, well, and with the way that they've looked, at, at least on the team sheet, it's hard not to. I mean, this is the first time since Heinz Ward led the line that we've had a receiving core to really be proud of. Um, you know, we have an offensive line that's worth note, anchored by Marquis, or, or excuse me, Maurice Pouncey. Uh, you have to love seeing that. You've still got Heath Miller at tight end. And Le'Veon Bell, I mean, he's just been a revelation. After going through, you know, these odd little periods after the Bettis era where you've got Willie Parker, who is the antithesis of a Steelers running back. Uh, you know, you've got the you, you've got the turnaround of like the Rashad Mendenhalls and the Isaac Redmonds. Finally, we found somebody to give 150, 195, 200 carries to um, that, that you know is going to p- perform well. Now, if he can just stay out of the drug stuff, that might be better. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that progresses after his suspension on the defensive side of the ball. Now. This almost seems backwards, talking about a great Steelers offense and uh, sort of shaky Steelers defense. We, you know, you got a bunch of misses here, uh, either by retirement uh, or, or players moving on. You've got Ike Taylor, Troy Polamalu, Jason Worlds, and James Harrison all retiring at the same time. So you've got replacements out of you know two or three big name players, and then they're they're being filled by relative unknown slash rookies. Uh, Troy just makes me want to cry a little bit, but it was indeed about time. Uh, what do you see out of the Steelers defense? Do you think that even, even with the potential holes in it, it has, it, it has the, the chance to prove itself, I suppose? Well, the players you mentioned, that's extremely tough shoes. They're big shoes to fill. I think it might be a, a difficult year for, for the D this year round. Uh, I, it might take a, especially if you're looking at, Rookies or free agents that haven't necessarily impressed so far, you're going to have to ask people to come out, out of a comfort zone and perform better than they have in the past. You know, I I think I'd be, as much as we were excited about the offensive side of the ball, I might be a little bit worried about the defensive side of the ball. Brandon Boykin is a nice signing. I think that's that's not a bad look up in, uh, up in the cornerback spot. But you can't... Uh, it's difficult to say all the hopes would rest on one or two individuals that have shown slight promise. Um, I think it could be a tough year, Andy. And, you know, yeah, you've scored points in the, uh, in the, in the off season and Hey, you've got Michael Vick as your number two QB now. Um, but, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it could be a tricky year keeping, keeping the points tally down of the opposition. Maybe it's a case of, Let's try and outscore people because let's be honest, you've been good at that in in past in the past. You know, massively high scoring games because Ben decides to score seven TDs, which is one more than the the opposition QB. <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous uh, approach, but if it's going to work, why not? Well, and that may be required this year. You know, as we've been saying, there are big shoes to fill, but. I will say the Steelers have been done with some key, uh, they have been good, excuse me, with some key acquisitions. I know Mike Mitchell coming over from the Carolina Panthers last year made a big impression at free safety. Lawrence Timmons really stepped up to the game. Uh, and bringing James Harrison out of retirement, he wasn't as spectacular as he was of, you know, ages past per se, but the guy is on the older side. It was a good key, sort of sentimental signing. So, you know, whenever you look at Will and Cortez Allen filling in at the, the cornerback and the, the strong safety role. You look at young Jarvis Jones and rookie Bud Dupree coming in at the outside linebackers. There's a, there's a real chance here, but we'll have to see how that plays out over the course of the season. 
not to bore anybody too much with my Steelers talk. I can do this forever. We'll go ahead and move on to the Cleveland Cleveland Browns. Again, another one and two start to the preseason. A loss to Washington at home, 17 to 20. A loss to Buffalo, crushingly, uh, at home, 10 to 11. And then going to Tampa Bay and putting up 31 points, uh, while, you know, the, the Buccaneers could only manage seven. The big question with the Browns, of course, has to be media magnet Johnny Manziel. Is he clean and focused right now? He's impressed in preseason as much as that hurts to even say. Is there any sort of plan for the Cleveland Browns at the quarterback position? Well, you've got to go with Johnny Manziel, I think. Josh McCown is your only other option. I would favor the positive spin that they could give this move and say, hey, we turned a a youngster who was off the rails and given time and money in a situation that he didn't know what to do with. We've turned him around and we've set him on the right path. I think that they have every reason to back him. Uh, they should. It would be the sensible option. If you have supported someone like that in the offseason and then you don't give him the starting job, despite all the promise and the changes he's shown, what does that really say about the trust that you have in him? Josh McCown isn't ex- inspiring. Um, for the future of the franchise, I think they have to go with Johnny Manziel based on his turnaround. Well, and if there was, if there's ever going to be a character that comes into the quarterback position and 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 really does impress, it has to be Johnny Manziel. You know, troubled past, big name for Texas A and M. You know, had a bunch of clutch moments in college. Comes in and doesn't really get his first shot as a rookie. Um, but as you said, there there needs to be an anchor on the offensive side of the ball, and we'll get to the defensive side of the ball in a minute. But there has to be balance. With a defense that's looking pretty strong for the Browns, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to, you have to make sure that the seesaw is level on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they've got Isaiah Crowell as, at running back. Not bad, but not terribly impressive. Terrence West is his backup, so not too many options at running back. They did pick up in the receiving core, Brian Hartline and Dwayne Bowe, which are huge upgrades to the receiving core. But since they're upgrading on Andrew Hawkins and Taylor Gabriel, that's not really saying much. Um, no, but don't forget there is, (laughs) there is Terrell Pryor, the quarterback turned wide receiver. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I don't even get me started on that. It's, it's like Tebow moving to tight end. It's one of those things where, you know what you tried, you failed, just go home and call today, man. Seriously. Yeah. So I, I guess my main question would be not not just with the question over the quarterback position, but with an, uh, a, a mediocre at best running back core and a guy like Dwayne Bowe, who was the leading receiver at Kansas City, again, not difficult, and Brian Hartline, who's bounced place to place. Is this an offense that, that the Browns can be proud of moving forward? Do they have an offense that can get them off the bottom of the division? Ooh, well, that is a very good question. Is basically what you're saying there is, is, is it better than the Bengals? True. That That's basically it. Because <laughs> uh, it's certainly not better than the Steelers or the Ravens. Although we were talking about the Ravens earlier, and maybe I really like the Heartline and, and Bo pickups. As you said, you know, these are two guys who regularly get it done. Um, and, and, I, and they've uh, done so in crap teams. So exactly. this is a so perfect fit. They're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they, they know, and I would say, you know, was it Heartline coming from the Dolphins? So from Tannehill, so who blows hot and cold, right? So if Johnny Manziel can finally live up to the expectation and come clean, be clean and deliver, then Dwayne Bowe is going to get a more exciting quarterback than Alex Smith, and Brian Hartline is going to get 
the same sort of deal, but he's probably going to get more action uh, down in Cleveland, right? So uh, I, I think it's I think it's actually a lot better than we may give it credit credit for. Um, I'm not saying it's better than the Ravens because that would be a foolish thing to say, but it might be better than the Ravens. Um, and it all hangs on Johnny Manziel. Uh, he has to he has to show that preseason wasn't just a fluke. I and that is a big deal in 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 comparison with the Bengals because as I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, they have similar QB issues but for different reasons. And then it's a case of have they got enough playmakers out wide? They're in a similar position, so I think it's actually a lot even more even this season. I would say that the Browns have basically pulled level. I almost can't believe that that's been said. I would like to say live on air, but not so much. Um, it, thinking that the Browns could actually turn into a team that can challenge for, you know, e- even a third place spot is something that we haven't considered in a long, long time. But one thing that's going to be carrying them is going to be the defense, which I have to say I'm impressed with. A yeah. great linebacking core with Carlos Dansby and Craig Robertson, you know, uh, manning the middle in a 3-4. And then Joe Hayden, a shutdown corner, and yeah. Dante Whitner, big hitting strong safety. Uh, you know, big hawks on the interception side of the ball, a great defensive line. This doesn't look like a bad defense. And the pickup of Danny Shelton uh, through the draft is, I mean, what a signing. You know, is this defense turned around? Yes, you you can't have that many you can't have that many playmakers and say that it hasn't been turned around. I mean, Joe Hayden has come on so much, um, and in a league full of shutdown corners, for him to do that and impress as much as he has in this team, that deserves you know extra special credit because it's all very well if we sit here and talk about you know Richard Sherman, but he's surrounded by defensive playmakers. So Joe Hayden. Yes, he's got more now, but to get to this point that he has uh, coming into this season, he's done pretty much off his own back. So I've got a lot of respect for for him. I was actually really surprised, not surprised, but that Carlos Dansby didn't go anywhere else. Um, I was really impressed with him when he was at the Cardinals, and you know, oh, as he a, was their marquee in the linebacking court. As a Niners <laughs> fan, I'm delighted that he's out of the division. But um, <laughs> yeah. Big upgrade for the Browns. And you know what? It's a big if for the Browns this season. But you know what? If both the defense holds up and delivers based on their names and the offense improves, then they could seriously do something. So, Well, and looking at the team that they might be potentially leapfrogging, last team in the AFC North before we move on, the Cincinnati Bengals, as you alluded to, Quarterback issues, not necessarily because there are too many choices, which has been a theme, uh, you know, in the first pod and this one as well. But Andy Dalton, now, when he, when he's on, he looks pretty good. And when he's off, he throws four interceptions. Uh, you know, I, I think the statistics last year were 19 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. This guy, the redhead, the ginger wonder has got to start making better decisions and he has a great team playing around him the Cincinnati Bengals have one of the better offensive lines in the league if you ask my opinion Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard in the backfield is a great pairing and you've got a receiving core that's filled with AJ Green who's back healthy Muhammad Sanu who's back healthy and Marvin Jones who's back healthy so he's got you know Dalton's got a team around him is I feel like we're going to ask this several times over the course of the next couple of weeks is this his year? Does he finally widen the gap between the touchdown and interception mark? Yeah, it has to be. 
if he doesn't, then you know that the Bengals will be drafting a QB in, in the next draft. It's <laughs> as simple as that. You can't have those kind of playmakers out wide. I mean, AJ Green is a given, but I think Mohamed Sanu is a decent support. I do, and I, I just don't think you you can have those weapons in in a team like this and not make the most of them. And as you say, either he's hot or he's not. And when he's not, he's basically you know burning in a terrible sense. Whereas when he's <laughs> when he when he's on fire, it's brilliant um, in a positive sense. But I, you know, I just think that the Bengals know that it's uh, it's now or never, and so does he. But maybe that will have a positive effect on him, knowing that he has to basically put it all on the line. But you have to make better decisions. You really do. And it'll be interesting to see what work, if he has done any, really, in the offseason about being more consistent in in making those decisions. I think it, you know, it, it comes on. It comes to how quickly can you read defenses? How quickly can you read your your throws, your targets? And how quickly can you make decisions that are more sensible and not trying to force it too much? I think there were a lot of times last season where Dalton was just trying to force the issue. And if he stops doing that, and yeah, okay, maybe sometimes you have to throw the ball wide and you have to take a, a third down and say, right, let's bring the punt team on. It didn't work out this time. But it's much better that than forcing something and turning the ball over. And you can't throw the number of interceptions that he threw last season. Well, and I think the big plus for him is going to be that Marvin Jones and, and, and Muhammad Sanu. You know, a lot of times whenever he, whenever Dalton screws himself and ends up tossing up an interception, it's because he's trying to get the ball to the one receiver he can trust in AJ Green. So perhaps having more options simply by having players that are good at football uh, is going to make a difference for him. Now on the defensive side of the ball, but what a build for the defense there too. Uh, again, once again, the AFC North is just so solid defensively. You know, you've got a huge defensive line. If Geno Atkins can bring himself back to his 2012-2013 form, then you're looking at a potential, you're looking at potential competition for JJ Watt as, you know, for defensive player of the year. You've got Damata Pico. Carlos Dunlap runs the left side. Perfect is one of the best outside linebackers in the NFL. You got Lemur and AJ Hawk coming from Green Bay. Uh, you know, in the, in the secondary, it's Leon Hall. Reggie Nelson is a ball hawk. I mean, Again, we've talked about three defenses that are at least good. Could the Bengals potentially have the best defense in the AFC North? This is a problem for you because all of the teams in this division that we've talked about have a better defense, I think, than the Steelers. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, that hurts and, to say. but And that's sure. a problem because as much as you have offensive weapons on the other side of the ball, uh, you if you can't, use those because these guys' defenses are better than your defense is under even more pressure because their offense isn't exactly thrill-making, right? So you go up against the Bengals or the Browns and you're obviously expected to win. But if your defense doesn't get it done and their defense does, then they're going to be winning those games. And I think that's the biggest problem for teams like the Steelers. And there are plenty of teams like the Steelers elsewhere in the NFL who have exciting offensive units, but who have subpar or mediocre defensive units and the Bengals defense as you said is is up there but you know we're just talking about the Browns and the Bengals and yet they have that many players that are excelling in defense and maybe they should just take a little bit of a look at the Texans model and say like okay they've made a real positive asset of having that kind of strong defense I mean you know history shows that you the defense wins championships we can both agree on that but oh absolutely 
And, you know, if you look for a number of years in the past, the way that the Niners went about it, and I know I can only really speak from that sort of situation, but they had formidable defenses. And then they had the, the bonus of having a great offense going forward, and that makes a huge difference. But I'm not saying the Bengals and the Browns are going to win Super Bowls, but they are going to put themselves in much stronger positions by having that kind of defensive unit. And I think the Texans' template, really, that they've they've sort of molded over the last few seasons is to say, our best player, probably in the history of the franchise, is this defensive player. So we're going to build a team around him and we're going to have a strong running back on offense. We haven't quite figured out the QB wide receiver situation, but we're going to get that at some point because we're strong enough on defense. And if the Bengals and the Browns took that mindset and took some heat off their QBs and said, we're going to try and win games by being excellent on defense. You know, look at the Ravens team when they had that formidable season in, in the defense, right? You, and it's the same with the Seahawks. If you just say, we're this good that we should be winning games, that's how good our defense is. We should be scoring points. Then do that because both the Bengals and the Browns have the players to do it. Yeah, and if Pittsburgh and Baltimore aren't taking notes on what's happening in this division, we could potentially in the next few years see a bit of an upheaval uh, as far as who ends up on top and who does not. Yeah. But that wraps up our AFC North preview. So let's go to a crap division before we go to a good one, the AFC South. <laughs> so we'll start with uh, you know the two that are worth note because, I mean, uh, there's only so much you can say about Tennessee and Jacksonville. Um, so let's start with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you know, we've started once again, one and two, you know, dropping a big game first time to Philadelphia at Philadelphia, 36 to 10, uh, and then a loss at home to Chicago, 23 to 11, before finally getting their first preseason win this past weekend, 24 to 14 over the Rams. Andy Luck in the Super Bowl. It's going to happen eventually. I, 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 I don't think that there's any way that you have this sort of Peyton Manning situation in the sense that Peyton Manning goes all these different years with the Colts and then doesn't quite get his Super Bowl ring for for years and years. So, Luck is he going to be able to turn? Is he be, is he going to be able to turn in his? Is he going to be able to get his ring first? Uh, I think this is his year. This year is the year that the Indianapolis Colts win the Super Bowl. Wow! Big call! Big call! Well, look at it. Right, this is a guy who is accurate on the throw, who has the ability to run. He now has the options out wide. He has a supporting running back who thinks, let quote, he's a football god. There's no reason that the Colts in their division, helped by the fact that they are by far the best team in their division, that they can't put themselves into a strong position going into the offseason and uh, going into the postseason, sorry. And there's no... you. You come up against a team like Andrew Luck, he he is so close. He was so close last season that I think everybody else in the NFL knows it. And everybody else has this sort of fear around him. That's a real credit to him if he can create a fear factor for other players, for other teams and other players. I think that this is the year. I really do. Well, and for a guy who has such not only just general intelligence as a as a human, but for someone who has such football intelligence, I mean, to transition so seamlessly from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, I mean, uh, the Colts have the Colts have set themselves up for success, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, 
one of the biggest one of the biggest pickups, of course, in the offseason uh, from your beloved Niners was Frank Gore. For the first time in what seems like years, they have what could be consistency at the running back position. How big do you think the Gore signing for the Colts is going to be going into the regular season? It's huge. It hurts me so much that we let Frank go. I really think that we should have kept him and, and let him let him see out his, his career at the Niners. But I understand that he wants more reps and he deserves them. He's that kind of player. But he's huge. You can't underestimate the ability that Frank Gore has. And it's not... It's not the 50-yard runs. It's not even the 15-yard runs. It's the 6 to 8 to 3 to 4 here. And it's the nibbles. It's the nibbling away. And, you know, if you have someone that you can reliably give the ball to and you know that he's going to get you the 3 yards here, the 5 yards there, just slowly eating away at the yards towards the touchdown. That's perfect. That's what the Colts need. And it, 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 you can't ever say that that's something that you don't want in your offense. Okay, you've got T.Y. Hilton and you've got Andre Johnson. Let's not forget he's been brought in and that's massive. Oh, sure. You've got Dante Moncrief. You've got three wideouts who are, have the ability to, to impress and to, to do a serious job with Andrew Luck. But Luck knows that he can not only give the ball to Gore, but he can throw the ball to Gore. And, you know, <laughs> having someone like that I think it's huge. Not not enough appreciation, but Niner, fan, Niner fans will definitely tell you that they love that, that you could give the ball to Frank and he would get you the three yards here, the four yards here. It wasn't really about the big plays. Yeah, he had them, but it's about the ability to just eat away. And it's one of those age-old things. It's so frustrating for a defense. If you can stop a guy from, from making that first down each time, yeah, it's huge for defense. But if he keeps coming back at you bit by bit, yard by yard, then that wears you down. And Frank Gore is the best man in the NFL at that. Well, and I think the the biggest thing on the offensive side of the ball for Gore is, and and really for Andrew Luck, is that with the with the consistency of a of an experienced running back, uh, all of a sudden defenses have to respect the running game, which takes the pressure off the passing game, which opens Andrew Luck to throw for you know five hundred, seven hundred and fifty more yards than he did last season, which is uh, a dangerous I, number of extra yards for Andrew absolutely. Luck to be through. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the Colts are going to be a force to be reckoned with, regardless of what their preseason record might show. Um, and I, I think you're absolutely right. If we don't see the Colts in the Super Bowl, then something went horribly wrong somewhere. Yeah. Now, the only other team of note really in the AFC South are the Houston Texans. Uh, you know, they're, they're the only ones in the AFC South that have started off with a positive record in the preseason so far, a win over the Niners, 23 to 10 first week. <laughs> <laughs> and then a slim loss, uh, 10 to 11 to Denver at home before going to New Orleans and putting up 27 points to the Saints 11, or excuse me, 13. Right now, though, there's no, there's no real quarterback leader. I, I think it came out the other day that Brian Hoyer is officially getting the start week one, but the options aren't really there. You've got a Brian Hoyer, you've got Ryan Mallett, uh, who has yet to impress Tom Savage. I'll be honest with you, I don't even know who that is. Uh, so they're not convincing. <laughs> And they don't have wideouts of note, especially with the loss of Andre Johnson. So once again, it comes to injury-prone Arian Foster and the defense, or maybe just J.J. Watt, to to win games. Is that enough for the Houston Texans to make it to the playoffs this year? Yes. Really? Yeah, but I think uh, their recent performance against the Saints was impressive for a number of reasons. Both Hoyer and Mallet would were, were pretty decent. Um, okay, Hoyer probably edged it, and I would give Hoyer the starting job anyway. 
But you cannot... I think it's a bit unfair to say that J.J. Watt is the only man on defense. Brian Cushing is pretty decent. Let's not forget that. And if J. Devon Clowney can come back from injury and really be the player that he was supposed to be, then that's a big sign. Jonathan Joseph has the has the tangibles to really sort of step up in the cornerback position. I think there are enough players on the defensive side of the ball that have taken serious inspiration from J.J. Watt's performance and have upped their own game. And I do think that even though the division is is in their favour, if you like, even if they can't beat the Colts, they will beat the other two teams, or I'm at least confident that they should be able to beat the other two teams. Um, the loss of Andrew John- Andre Johnson in the wide-out position is huge. It puts more pressure pressure on DeAndre Hopkins, I think. Um, and Cecil Shorts the third. How amazing is that, the name? You know, I, love, I love names that have numbers in. It's hilarious. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, and Nate Washington, you know, Nate Washington brought in as well. I, I don't know. I think that there are enough options really for, for them to do well. Um, but their defense is ne- I can never underestimate their defense. And yeah, JJ Watt is, is basically a huge part of that. But I think there are other players as well. So you've got to remember as well, this this guy's a machine, right? JJ Watt is a serious machine. First defensive player to record more than 20 plus sacks in multiple seasons. Like, you know, it's it just a monster. And if you have someone like that on the board, it's like having an entire defense in one play one player it was funny I think I think it was Eric Wood who said he's the center for the Bills mm-hmm. and he he said last season that they uh, they were like no we're not going to change our defensive plan um, sorry our offensive plan for one player we're gonna we're gonna just go after and see see what we can do against the Texans defense rather than just JJ Watt and afterwards he was like yeah, we should have put an individual game plan together. 
Well, and that's the beauty of J.J. Watt. You know, the NFL, it's one of those things, just like with any sport, that you have an older generation that was around in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s to watch some of these more hard-nosed defensive players. You know, I was actually talking with my family today about some of the Bears and Steelers defenses of old and just how just how wild and animalistic they are. And you just don't see that in NFL players anymore unless you're talking about J.J. Watt. And I think that that's one of the main things that helps his game is he's just – he puts on the pads, and he's an absolute animal on the defensive line. Yeah, he's so physical, and and it's really it's an excellent point to mention those previous defenses. Yeah, okay, the game has changed, and you can't do as much as you were able to. But at the same time, he is adapted to that, and he's still able to be as physical as those guys were back then, while still doing it within regulation. So, hey, if he can do it, then I'm sure another a lot of defensive players in the league will be thinking, you know what, we need to up our, our level of aggression and physicality. Yeah, if if defensive linemen and linebackers aren't taking notes across the league on J.J. Watt, then they are not watching the game. Exactly. All right, let's talk about them other two teams. Hometown, at least for me, the Tennessee Titans, uh, you know, only being an hour from where I currently live. Uh, starting off one and two, uh, lost to Atlanta 31 to 24 first week, recorded a win over the St. Louis Rams 27 to 14 before being destroyed by Kansas City 34 to 10 this weekend. Mark, Marcus Mariota. Now, this this guy has he, he's impressed. He looks like he's got a, a real level head on his shoulders. And one of the biggest misses for the Tennessee Titans over the course of several years has been <laughs> the gaping hole at the quarterback position. I mean, really, since Steve McNair left the league, they haven't had any sort of stability there. Is there any hope that Mariota? After, what is this now, the third or fourth rookie quarterback they've handed the starting role to? Is there any hope that this guy's the guy? Uh, yes, um, but how many times have we really sort of said that about, about teams and QBs coming, into those, team, coming mm-hmm. into those teams? I think that, yeah, I think there's no reason to think that he can't be. Give him a year. I really think it's easier to start talking about him. I'm always really hesitant to talk about rookie QBs. It's the same with Jamie's Winston. Um, and it was the same with Blake Bortles when he arrived. But this is the perfect sort of transition slash slash uh, comparison. Look at the Tennessee Titans. Mario, Marcus Mariota is in his first season. He's looking at someone like uh, Dorio Greenback. I'm hoping that he's half as good as Odell, based on his name. <laughs> Aha! See what I did there? Um, Hakeem Nix is good and Harry Douglas isn't bad. So you've actually got two targets to go to for the Titans uh, that will make Mariota's job a lot easier. But let's see how he can handle that. In comparison, I think Blake Bortles coming off his first season, so going in as second, is is looking a lot stronger. Um, he's impressed in preseason. Um but he, unfortunately, like Mario, unlike Mariota, doesn't have the wideouts. So he doesn't have a Hakeem Nicks or Harry Douglas, right? So he's therefore finding his job a lot, a lot harder. Um, and I've always said that a QB is only really as ever good as his wideouts. Um, you know, Joe Montana was fantastic, but one of the reasons Joe Montana was fantastic was because he was thrown to Jerry Rice for most of his career. So. You know, you've got to judge things based on their surroundings as much as their ability. And I think Blake Bortles coming off that first year has got a lot of promise going into his second year, but can he fulfill it based on his options? Marcus Mariota hasn't got that experience of the first year, but he has got those options around him, so could work in his favor. 
It could, it could. And, uh, you know, he's got a guy working in behind him in the backfield in, in Bishop Sankey. That's a, he's a bit of a question mark right now, but, you know, uh, you know, again, it's one of those things where ever since Tennessee got rid of Chris Johnson, whenever he finally stopped being Chris Johnson, um, you know, they've been <laughs> lacking in the sort of running back position as well. Uh, does Bishop Sankey have a good shout for this upcoming season? Yeah, he does. There's no reason why they can't try and build a slightly more rounded game. Um, I, I would, you know, you don't just all the hype. Maybe it's in, in his favor. Maybe it's in, in Bishop. Sounds weird to say Bishop as a first name. Maybe it's uh, in his <laughs> in his favor that all the hype is on Mariota, right? And everybody's not necessarily looking at him. That's um, a But that might work in his favor that he gets a little bit less pressure and everybody's obviously thinking, how is Mariota going to deal with having someone like Hakeem Nix and Harry Douglas out wide? Is Doriel Greenbacken going to be a great um, rookie? All of these other facets basically are coming into play and nobody's really looking at Bishop Sankey. So with the eyes not on him, that could well work in his favor. Now, and again, just a quick look at the defensive side of the ball. You know, I, I'm, I sit here and I stare at the, I stare at the depth chart. You know, you see a name like Daquan Jones, you see a name like Brian Arakpo, and you see a name like Michael Griffin. And then you see eight other names that don't really matter. Is, is the defensive side of the ball still a huge problem area for the yeah, Tennessee? It Titans? is. It is. It really is. Um, those players you mentioned are decent, but you can't ever get by in divisions with just, one or two, um, especially if your offensive side of the ball is 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 fresh and green in the face. So yeah, it's a problem for them. All right, and the last team in the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is there anything more to say really about the Jags? No, other than <laughs> cool beans. On to the AFC North, then. <laughs> uh, well, we can run into a little bit more interesting players and teams and all that fun stuff. And let's start with my my family's favorite team, what I grew up around and rebelled from to go to and be a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Chicago Bears. Now, the biggest thing to talk about with the Bears is that John Fox comes in, and the John Fox system should actually be beneficial for a guy like Jay Cutler. He yep. should receive less pressure because the Fox system is based around shorter passing game, which he developed with Peyton Manning at Denver, um, and, and having good solid coverage from the running back, and they have a great running back in Matt Forte. Are we going to be looking at a better year for Jay Cutler? Definitely. There's no reason to uh, to think not. He's impressed in preseason. However, there is a great stat for you, Dylan. And maybe your family are aware of this or not, but the Bears' starting offense have yet to score a touchdown this preseason. That is neither surprising nor good for this for this Bears' offense going forward. <laughs> so bearing that in mind, as much as preseason is not something we should take too seriously, I'd be concerned about that. Well, part of it has to come around the receiving core and how how it's changed so so much. You know, you you draft first round a guy like Kevin White, who is just an exciting young player, and you lose him to injury. You lose Brandon Marshall to the Jets, uh, one of uh, one of Jay Cutler's mainstay receivers for for a couple of years now, and then you pick up a guy like Eddie Royal, who's good, but at the same time he's going to be filling that second receiver role because Alshon Jeffrey is going to be the, the new starter. And you just have to look at that receiving core, the main two, and say, you know, you've got a lifetime second receiver in Eddie Royal, and you have a so far lifetime second receiver in Alshon Jeffries. Is, is this good enough for Jay Cutler to throw to? 
Mm. Arsenal and Jeffrey's going to have to seriously step up. I mean, let's not be injured. Let's not be. Let's not be injured. Let's not be injured like Arsenal <laughs> Jeffrey is. Uh, he has actually been out uh, for three weeks. So, um, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on on the Chicago Bears wide receivers. But that said, following the Fox regime, maybe not so much because you're asking them to make shorter throws. So it's all about the six to eight yard slants and coming across rather than bombing it downfield and losing the guy in the backfield, right? So maybe that will work in his favor. And that should help Jay Cutler, as you said, because you're asking your wide receivers to be closer to you. It's more about getting the ball out quickly. Um, and that means you don't have to worry about moving around in the pocket or being too set or waiting for things to form, you know? Maybe it'll work in his favor, but there is a lot of pressure on the wide receivers. And Matt Forte, once again, is effectively carrying the offense. Well, but see, I guess my biggest question for, for a guy like Cutler is, is it seems like his favorite thing to do is throw the ball deep and errantly into, you know, some cornerback or, or, or safety's arms. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how like a John Fox system is going to work for him. Does he have the ability to make these sort of short style passes? Yes. And he has got a cannon of an arm. So he's going to be able to get the ball not only off quick from his arm, but also to the receivers quickly and, and give the defense less time to react. But at the same time, how is he going to maintain his interception count if he can't throw the ball deep? It's going to be an interesting season for the Bears on offense. Totally. Couldn't agree more. And uh, I think a lot of teams, not just in this division, but also in the NFL generally, will be rubbing their hands at deep balls from Jay Cutler. As they have for years and years and years. <laughs> now, on the defensive side of the ball, I think one of the main things that you have to look at whenever you see a group like this is that you've got a more tight-knit group than you did last year. You know, they, we had a couple of different, uh, you know, acquisitions that came in. Um, they've had more playing time together. They've got a new coaching scheme with, again, new coach Fangio and switching to that, that 3-4. They've got an improved secondary with Antrell Roll. Kyle Fuller is no longer a rookie and Kyle or in Ryan Mundy, who is as of this moment out and he's actually on the, uh, the uh, physically unable to perform list. Um, when he does come back, I mean, to be fair, Ryan Mundy coming from the Steelers is better than a Chris Conti, but <laughs> at the, at the same time, you're looking at a defense that, that looks a little bit more well-rounded. Uh, the other news that came out that I'm not sure if you've had the chance to see again early morning for you is uh, Tim Jennings on the yeah. injured injured reserve list. Uh, yes, yeah. That's painful. You know, you got a secondary that looks so good, and then you lose two guys like Jennings and Monday. D- does this defense look better than it did last year that led the Bears to a paltry five and eleven season? Mm, I don't know whether it looks better than last year. You know, and that's not exactly inspiring based on what we've just been talking about. It could be a it could be a very very long year for the bear, for the Bears. It absolutely could. Sorry, mom, dad, younger brother. It it could be another bad one. <laughs> uh, the other the other big name uh, in the in the excuse me the NFC North, of course, being Green Bay. Another bad start to the preseason. Uh, I question whether or not this matters, but as a as a as a you know part of a family that's been big bears fans kind of do like to see stuff like this they drop to or excuse me they win to uh, uh at at in new england 22 to 11 uh and then they lose to pittsburgh yes 24 to 19 uh, before getting, you know, again, philadelphia putting up big points 39 to 26 this past weekend you, you got to look at this team you say aaron rodgers excellent quarterback you see eddie lacy come back 
that's going to be a big win at the running back. But the receiving core, Jordy Nelson out for the season, Randall Cobb supposedly in for week one, but we'll have to play that by year. You know, missing a guy like Jordy Nelson is huge. Uh, he's a great route runner. He has fantastic hands. He's a huge end zone threat. And now he's gone for the season. Does Randall Cobb have the ability right now to step into that starting receiver role? No. <laughs> uh, Jordy Nelson was was the go-to, was the, the insurance policy for a man who I think is the best quarterback in the NFL. So, Ooh. sorry, but it's true. Did you see... The game against the Dolphins last year. Did you see the throws that, that he made last year? Almost put up five thousand yards last year. I yeah. thought he was the best. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to NFL Story Time. With <laughs> Aaron Rodgers um, is going to be hurt by the loss of Jordy Nelson. Definitely. Um, I'm not sure Randall Cobb is really ready to step into his shoes. I think it could be a difficult year for Green Bay based on that. But if anybody can turn it around and make the most of the situation, then it's Aaron Rodgers. And he will be – you can bet your bottom dollar that the first thing that he did after the Jordy Nelson injury was, apart from talk to Jordy, was obviously sit down with his core and say, like, guys, right, this is what we're going to be doing. I need you and you and you to step up. you got to have faith in me. Uh, relax. Um, and you know what? If If anybody should – I mean, Packers fans will be worried, but they will also be sat at home saying, yeah, but we probably don't need to be that worried because Aaron's got it. So, yeah, Lacey will probably get more reps. But um, the defense might have to step up. But I think that they uh, they should be fine even without, without Jordy Nelson. But it probably ends their run deep into the playoffs, I think. Yeah, if you don't have that sort of possession receiver downfield yeah. as the ability to make the spectacular catches that Jordy Nelson does, you do lose that sort of that, that sort of postseason flame uh, that Green Bay's been burning for quite some time. Um, and and actually, before uh, Aaron Rodgers sat down with his receiving core and pointed out, you know, all the things that needed to happen this season. Before that, he had to talk on the field after that game uh, about the Jordy Nelson injury, and I have never seen a football player more openly sad about the fact that he had lost a receiver. He looked like a defeated man. He monotone, just, yeah, no, that's going to be, it's going to be a hard one in his head. He's thinking, <laughs> oh my God, we're screwed. <laughs> yeah, that's difficult. But then Aaron knows, uh, Aaron knows how to deal with the media. So now the only other thing that I need to mention on the defensive side of the ball, which remains largely unchanged is that, the best name in the NFL, haha, ha, Clinton Dix, looks to be the starting free <laughs> safety. Do you think, I mean, he looks a heck of a ball player. Does he come in and make an instant impact on in an already stacked secondary? Yeah, he does. Plus, with a name like that, everybody else uh, should probably be laughing with him because uh, he gets to uh, have the last laugh, as it were, because he's he's come a long, long way. And um, rather than just being someone that's famous for their name they're famous for their ability to do his job as well and the the kids the kids got skills there's no doubt about it yeah you mentioned a long journey anybody with the name even if it is just in the nickname form of haha clinton dicks had a long long journey through childhood so the other team you supposed to laugh at that damn it <laughs> i was i was building up to it i was building up to it <laughs> all right so the other the other big name team of the the only team of note 
so far, or maybe, because I do think the Vikings are going to make a big turnaround this year, but I do want to talk about first. Um, Detroit starting two and one in the preseason, 23 to three over the Jets. Not surprising. Dropped kind of surprisingly to Washington at home, 21 to 17 before going out and eking out a win in Jacksonville, 22 to 17. You look at us almost kind of a, a weakened receiving core. You've only got Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate of note. It's enough. Fuller. It's enough. It's enough. It's Calvin Johnson has not put up the same numbers in the past at least year, probably two years, as what he's famed to. Do you really think that only having Calvin Johnson is still enough? Golden Tate should not be underestimated. I think Golden Tate is very good. Um, he might have a large mouth, but I still think that he's decent. I think it's enough. Matt Stafford's been excellent again in preseason. Um, great story about Matt Stafford, actually. One of my uh, mates uh, in Munich, uh, he he plays American football in Munich, or he did, um, went to college in Georgia, and he was uh, redshirting, and then he was set to become the starting QB for Georgia. And um, in the first day of preseason, he stepped back in the pocket and turned too sharply and tore his ACL and was out for the season. And the guy who came in for him was Matt Stafford. That's a good guy to know. That is an excellent guy to know. I mean, so, terrible timing on the ACL tear. Seriously, because guy <laughs> <laughs> that guy, my mate, um, was so close uh, to to basically sort of possibly putting himself in that position. It's just it's a small world. Um, I think anyway, Matt Stafford is good enough to 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 take to, to make the most of two wide receivers. Plus, we talked about it. Amir Abdullah is he going to be a sensational? So, sort of rookie I, I don't it's difficult you know but when you look at the two guys that have sort of been taking the reps Jockey Bell and I can't even say Emil yeah him um, <laughs> but uh, sorry dude but <laughs> you know there are some sort of sort of not necessarily inspiring running backs uh, but what I do like about Abdullah is that he said already the, in the preseason that he's like you know what Give me the reps that you can and what makes sense for the team. He's not coming out and being one of these young punks who's like, I'm the best, I'm a playmaker, give me every rep, you know. He's he's willing to learn and go slowly and do what he can whenever he's given the ball, which I like because, you know, you've got to have some respect for, for these kids who come in and have their feet on the ground. Um, I think he's dangerous. He's got all of the, the skill sets to definitely be – well, I mean, people have already said he's the best running back in the draft, so there's no reason not to think that he can go out and do that for the Lions. And if they have that third threat, then yeah, why not? I understand your point about Calvin Johnson. Yeah, okay, we're looking at him and thinking, the guy's huge, his ankle, is he, is he really 100%? But there's a lot more strength around him now in the Lions team. I mean – yeah, they lost in Dynam and Sue. We've talked about that when we talked about the Dolphins. But they have brought in Haloiti Nagata, and I think that was a, a shrewd move. Yeah, he might not be at his best, but you want the experience when you're looking at who to bring in and who to who to sort of keep the gap of losing a, such a huge player like Ensign. Um, so that sounds like a dish at a restaurant. I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, the boy of the Dolphins. And I, I think that they've done enough to cover their options. and. I think that even with just two wideouts and with this exciting running back in Abdullah, I think that Stafford can can keep them going. Well, and the the Lions have been missing, uh, you know, a, a sort of a sort of marquee 
a sort of marquee running back. And I know I, I, I think anyone who really looks at Joyke Bell knows that he's sort of a transition guy because he's not bad. I like to call him the lesser of the two Bells since we have Le'Veon. Um, but <laughs> he, he, he can do a job. And then you bring in a guy like Amir Abdullah, who if he transitions to the NFL properly and he and he does ends up doing a good job he could very well have the starting role there in Detroit yeah definitely now of course Ndamukin Sue which by the way after struggling with two names we're going to implement a name game uh, on the pod just to hear you pronounce stuff um but with the, with, the big, <laughs> with the big loss of Ndamukin Sue I mean bringing in a guy like Haloti Ngata is is it, it, it makes a big difference but that's Ndamukin Sue is kind of like J.J. Watt in the sense that he's just a wild player. Now, of course, Indomitian Sue's version of wild is more like I will try and literally murder you, uh, stomp on your face, all of these different things, um, which isn't necessarily great for, you know, as, as far as, you know, the press for the Detroit Lions. But uh, again, <laughs> he's a big guy, a big guy. He's a big player for for the defense there. And now he's gone. You can only hope that Ngata uh, can make a difference. Their 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 secondary should remain strong this year. I think Mathis and the Adigbo are going to be uh, uh, the staple players in a big secondary. I think it's going to be tough to throw on the Lions. Uh, yeah. Now the very now the very last team that we're going to talk about are the Minnesota Vikings with the surprising three and zero start to the preseason. Or is it really all that surprising? No, I was going to say it's not. It's not. No, no. Twenty six to sixteen over Tampa Bay. 20 to 12 over Oakland and then uh, going to Dallas and and beating them 28 to 14. Teddy freaking Bridgewater from hometown Kane Tuck Louisville. <laughs> is this his breakout year cuz he had an excellent start to last season? Yeah, it is going to be a big year for Teddy. Um you look at those two teams, okay, what is it? Would you say Tampa and Oakland? Yeah, okay, not so impressive, but beating the Cowboys, <laughs> you know, that's, that's fair enough and um yeah. I think Teddy's got everything going for him in this, and he's looked decent. And what I've liked about him is it's not just these, like, I know I sound like I'm the analyst who only ever talks about six to eight yard throws, but I cannot <laughs> underestimate the importance of those throws because I support a team who doesn't have that luxury. So <laughs> when I see a QB making those throws regularly, and he's a second year QB, then I get excited. And, you know, he does that, but he also throws the, the bombs, the, the 30 yard bombs downfield. And, you know, in the win against the Cowboys, I think his first throw was something like a 29, 30-yard throw downfield and to, like, set things going or something like that, you know. The guy's got skills. And even though he's wearing the Michael Jackson gloves when he's in the pocket, you know, I I just – I can forgive him for that. But um, if he's if if he's going to – if he's going to bring the moves, then uh, then I'm sure the Vikings fans will be pretty happy about it, you know. I'm sure they'll be uh, screaming the way you make me feel, Teddy. It's, uh, it's, doing, it's doing good things for me. Sorry, folks. That got weird real, real fast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> had to make an MJ reference, and I was going through the back catalog in my head thinking, oh, well, it probably shouldn't be smooth criminal looking at the NFL record. So <laughs> let's go with the way you make me feel. Sure. Now, the only other couple of questions that I have, at least for the offense, is Adrian Peterson, AP. Is he still AD? Is he still all day? Uh, yeah, but he should be BB behind bars. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, he's the same statement applies. Um, you don't get to be a great athlete if you can't be a good human being. 
Cash phrase. <laughs> Cash phrase of the fourth and five NFL podcast. <laughs> well, and it's going to be interesting, at least for Adrian Peterson, because r- regardless of his personal life, he is indeed back. And you look at a guy like Peterson, the last time that he was out for a full year was an ACL tear. And then he comes back and nearly sets the single season rushing record. Oh, wait, that's right. He did. So is <laughs> yeah, this another the- opportunity for him to come back and, and put in a performance like that again? Does he still have that in him as a player? I think he's probably more motivated than ever now based on what happened in the offseason. And I'm sure that he'll come back and put up huge numbers. You know, he's that kind of guy. Um, I actually think that Correll Patterson is the more fascinating, fascinating athlete. Um, the guy is unbelievable. And even if he isn't quite there on some of his reads, you just got to give him the ball on a kick return or a punt return and it's all good, baby. <laughs> very, very true. And having him in the slot position is a is an excellent idea because he gets to execute his speed and, and so really try and put a. Oh, so absolutely! He can put a burn on any outside linebacker in the league for sure. Now, as a slot receiver, you've got a guy like Corderell Patterson, excellent, excellent, you know, uh, sort of wide out. But on as your as your first and second choices, you've got Mike Wallace again, bundles and bundles of of, of speed, but. Not so convincing after he left the Steelers, which is all fine by me. Uh, and then Charles Johnson, who who's not a bad receiver by any means, but at the same time, you've got an odd little mixture of a receiving core where the most exciting player is the slot receiver, much like a Wes Welker when he was on the Patriots. Does Bridgewater have enough options to throw to? Uh, it's tricky, although the advantage of having someone like Patton is he's not only quick, but he's tall. So you eliminate you know a lot of lot of wideouts, a lot of groups don't have anybody big you know you mentioned Wes Welker there they don't that I remember that era because they don't really they don't really have any massive guys and having sort of tall people to go to like you look at the Lions having someone like Calvin Johnson means you can throw it a little bit off and it's still going to catch it so a bit more pressure on Patterson coming into the slot but uh, you know what if Bridgewater can get it done in the offs in the preseason then there's no reason to think he can't transition that into the regular season and then on the other side of the ball on the defense, if Bridgewater is going to be the standout again this year, is the defense should the defense be considered the weak point? You know, you look at guys like uh, you know, you look at guys like Terrence Newman, Chad Greenway, who's been a staple for years, Anton Exum. They're all quality, but just kind of like with the Titans, what else is really there, if anything? Yeah, it's the same issue for a lot of teams. You know, you have a couple of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. You have some leaders on the defensive side of the ball, but can they really be consistent? Over a, over a 16-game season? I don't think so. And, yeah, it will be the biggest problem for them. But you know what? Let's not worry about that. Let's see. Look at it. If you're a Viking fan, Vikings fan, I'm sure you already are. But look at it in a longer sort of set year or progress of development. You know, this is the year that Teddy Bridgewater gets good and gets comfortable. And maybe next year is the year that you start to look towards having a more balanced unit on both sides of the ball. So I guess that would be the main question. And if defense is going to be the focus next year, provided that Bridgewater does indeed have the breakout that we all expect him to, what's the sort of what's the sort of prediction for this team? I mean, are they eight and eight quality or is it a little bit less than that? I go eight and eight. Yeah, I think eight and eight is possible. Maybe maybe seven and nine. Okay. All right. Well that wraps up our divisional preview. So everybody knows what time it is now. John, what time is it? Pros and cons. Pros and cons. Now, we do have two this week. We only had one last week because we were lacking creative juices. It was also 3 a.m. for me. Um, so <laughs> we've got a couple here, and I'll, I'm going to let you start with this one, John. Johnny Manziel, is he Russell Wilson or is he Ryan Leaf? Russell Leaf? 
so far, I'd have to go Ryan Leaf because uh, you just he hasn't had the numbers, he hasn't had the composure, he's had a lot of off-field problems. Yeah, he's uh, not he's he's not quite living up to the expectation. So, long way to go before he looks anything like Russell. I'm going to have to agree with you there. You know, obviously, Leaf, as far as quarterback to quarterback, isn't necessarily the best comparison I've ever come up with. Again, it is 2 a.m. here. So, um, you know, (laughs) it's it's one of those things where I don't think he's going to be as big of a bust as Leaf was. But at the same time, with all the hype that there is around him, he doesn't he doesn't seem to me like a guy who performs well under pressure. And there's going to be so much pressure on the offense this year in Cleveland. Yes. So the next pros and cons, sticking with the AFC North trend, because I govern what we talk about, and that's the that's the division that I like. AJ Green, <laughs> can he flourish with Andy Dalton passing to him, or does he need a change of scenery? He needs a change of scenery. End of. All right, we'll add on to this pros and cons, because I agree with you. Does he need a change of scenery as in AJ Green needs to move on, or do the Bengals need to move on from Andy Dalton and try and keep hold of him? For the benefit of the Bengals, I would say that they should probably look to move on from Dalton, but I don't want to say that ahead of a year in which he could finally get his sugar together. So, um, yeah, to be honest, give, give, come, back, come back and ask me that question again in a year. <laughs> um, because you know it's, it's, it's one of those things that could work either way. Either Dalton excels or he doesn't get his stuff together and keep his feet on the ground, or AJ Green gets injured or doesn't quite pull out the numbers. So... I think in this position, with everything still possible, I would be leaning towards more AJ Green should keep him, and AJ Green should be kept, and uh, Dalton should be should be changed. Uh, I'm I'm going to agree with you there. I was actually set to disagree with your with your waffling sitting on the fence, but because of that last <laughs> comment. I will uh, I will agree with you. I think the Bengals need to try and move on from Andy Dalton. He's got the opportunity this year, sure, to really make something out of himself. But there are only so many times that you can be mediocre before you can't break out of mediocrity. And I think yeah. I think no matter what, I, Dalton has hit his peak, uh, and it's just not good enough for a Bengals team that really has a chance here in the next you know a year, perhaps two years, to move forward and move themselves up into a challenging division title position. Uh, agreed, agreed. And uh, you know what? As much as my waffling does go on a bit, it does taste good. My waffling, so you know. <laughs> there we go. All right. So the very last thing that we're going to touch on, just like last week, what we like to do, since this is promoted by the Anfield Index, we like to try and bridge the gap between American football and the Premier League, uh, or at least soccer in general. Uh, switching soccer. over to football, soccer. So these are our NFL to soccer teams comparisons. And I'm going to go ahead and start this week. Uh, I'm going to stick with AFC North guys, uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, and, and the, the, the individual team I'd like to compare them to in the soccer world is Stoke City. Now, the main reason that I want to compare them to Stoke is that they are known for brutal fans, both of these teams. The Ravens, no matter how many high-profile teams they might have, even going into this season with a sort of change of scenery on, on some of their players, they still have a brutal defense. And it, it's been a staple of the Baltimore team and the Stoke City team for years and years. Now, on the flip side of that, both of these teams, the Ravens and the Potters, they're both attempting in recent years to become a little bit more stereotypical in terms of play style. You know, you're seeing a, 
you know, you're seeing a transition in the in the Ravens side of things to to build their offense up to match their defense to get a little bit more balanced out. Stoke City are doing the same thing. You know, you see some of the signings last year. The big one was Boyan Kirkich. This year, you've got guys like Ibrahim Afele that have come in and have sort of like prettied up the the attack in 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 Stoke there. So it, both both of these different sides are trying to create a little bit more balance. Uh, and, and the final comparison there is it is, for both of these teams, one of the toughest stadiums to play in. Anybody that goes to Baltimore is going to have a tough time of things. Anybody that goes to the Britannia, I don't care if it's the, the 20th place uh, team or whoever it is that ends up winning the league, it is very, very difficult to play in the Britannia. So that is my NFL to soccer comparison of the week. John, what do you got? Dude, can I just say that was excellent. Excellent. I like that. That was really good. Brilliant argument. <laughs> and I totally agree. And I think, although, to be honest, Stoke are probably delighted at being compared to an American football team that have won a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> let's just give them, I'm sure they're pretty <laughs> pleased about that. I, I'm tempted to go with uh, with your team, but I, I'm going to leave that for you because, you know, I don't want to step on your turf or anything. So, I'm going to go with the Patriots because as soon as we get them out of the way, the better. Based on the fact that they have dominated their division, they're always looking to win it all and anything, but the Super Bowl is not cool. They have the best playmakers and they probably have the best coach of the last decade. It's got to be Bayern Munich. Uh, obviously, from a German perspective, you know, they've, they've dominated domestically the same way that the Patriots have in their division. They're always going for the treble the same way the Patriots are always going for the Super Bowl. And you know, they have had some of the best players and coaches over the last few years. So my NFL soccer comparison this week is the New England Patriots and Bayern Munich. That is that is a tough comparison to beat. That's an excellent shout. We try. We try. We do try indeed. And that is the show. First, only one week of preseason left. Second, this is our second podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Third, after three weeks of the preseason, I am sick and tired of it. Let's go regular season. I'm Dylan Baker. I'm Jonathan Harding. And that's the game. First down! Ash interference. Ah, holding number 99, offense. What the bleep are you doing? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.